Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 4 says this. It says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's, and, and, uh, David's ancestor's home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now experiencing or expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. She laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And what I really want to talk to you to, to about is that seventh verse where it says, she laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I want to talk to you today about making room for Jesus. Making room for Jesus. You know, often as Americans, uh, we have a very cavalier attitude when it comes to our civic responsibilities. Many times we do. And uh, it's like, well, no one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, no one's going to try to force me to uh, do this or that regarding my civic duty uh, in America. But, but, but what you've got to remember, and, and uh, so many times we look at the Bible or we look at history uh, as if they were in the same culture that we live in, okay? But they weren't, all right? And throughout history, people have not had the freedom and the ability to dismiss and disregard the demands of the government. When the New Testament opens, Israel and the entire world were under the rule of the Roman Empire. Augustus, the Roman Empire, decreed that a census should be taken, and this census was not a matter of choice, but everyone had to go to their ancestral home to participate in the, the, the census, Mary and Joseph, the scripture says, tells us they had to go to Bethlehem to be counted in the census because Bethlehem was the ancestral home of Joseph and Mary and every single descendant of King David and Mary and Joseph were both descendants of King David, so they had to go to Bethlehem. So the very first point that I want to talk to you about is this. God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus, okay? The scripture, if you'll study the prophecies about Jesus, you'll find this, that it was prophesied Jesus would be a descendant of King David. It says he would be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The prophecy also says this, that Jesus would be born of a virgin. It says also that a star would lead people to Jesus. It was prophesied that shepherds, now this was hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, but prophecy said this, God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus, and it was prophesied that shepherds would come and worship Jesus. It was also prophesied that kings and wise men would come and bring gifts to Jesus. You see, God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus hundreds of years prior to his birth. In fact, the prophet Micah declared that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and that's found in Micah chapter 5, verse, verse 2. 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Why? Because God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this this morning. It was 90 miles from Nazareth 
to Bethlehem. Now, that's really not a big deal, okay? 90 miles. Uh, we think about it in our terms today. It's like I can get in my automobile and I can drive 70 or 75 or 80 miles an hour if I've got the courage. I can get on I-70 and I can go to, I can drive 90 miles in a little over an hour. It's really not a big deal, okay? But remember this, they didn't have comfortable automobiles back during uh, the time that birth, that Christ is born. Uh, this was the first century, okay? And Mary and Joseph would more than likely be traveling on foot. And that 90-mile journey would take, understand this, four to seven days. It was a big deal. Many years ago, my, Linda can probably remember this. My sister, she's here today. But we used to, uh, there was a time that fundraising was a big deal in churches, okay? And I, I was a youth leader, I was a youth pastor, and I led a lot of fundraising, okay? And we did this crazy thing where we walked 30 miles in a walkathon. I can't believe it, okay? And I'll tell you what, it is back when I was probably 25 years old, okay? So we walked 30 miles in a walkathon in a day. And by the time, even though I was a 25 year old kid, uh, it's a big deal at the end of the day. I was, I was wiped out, okay? So Mary and Joseph, they've got to travel 90 miles on foot to get to Bethlehem, and it's not a choice, okay? They've got to go, and here's what they would do. They would walk all day, and then they would stay in the wilderness at night, and from Mary's viewpoint, this was a very uncomfortable trip because get this, she was 39 and a half weeks pregnant. Now, we've got a lot of ladies here that you've, you've had children before. You can only imagine what that would be like. I've got, you've got to walk 90 miles. So Mary was ready to give birth at any moment. But remember this, that Joseph and Mary rested assured that God had written the plan for the birth of Jesus, and they were willing to do that. They didn't mind traveling. Hey, I don't mind traveling, okay? In fact, it's kind of neat to travel. I enjoy it, all right? I get in my automobile. There was a time I'd like to get on an airplane and just fly somewhere, okay? Just go and fly there and be there. But I've learned to enjoy the journey, okay? And it's a lot of fun to go places I've never been before and see stuff and, and stop off and, and, and see a site or something, that, uh, some point of interest. And so I enjoy traveling. Okay, I, I enjoy even going in my car. Maybe, maybe that's not your cup of tea, and if it's not, that's okay. But I really don't mind traveling, and uh, especially if I'm in a nice heated automobile or the, the air conditioning is working fine, and I really don't mind traveling as long as I know this. I've got some place to stay at the end of the day. Because, and a lot of times Debbie will tell me this, uh, we go to Dallas a couple times a year because we got to go to board meetings down there, and a lot of times we'll drive halfway or so, we'll leave after church on a Sunday, we'll drive to Oklahoma City, and Debbie will go, hey Bob, I'll drive for a while if you'll find us a place to stay, spend the night, okay? So okay, okay, I'll look on Priceline or whatever, and I'll, I'll 
try to find a place where we can stay. So I don't mind traveling as long as we've got someplace reserved ahead of time. But when Mary and Joseph journeyed to Bethlehem, understand this, there was no Airbnb, okay? There was no Priceline. There was no booking.com. They walked 90 miles for four or five nights, <laughs> four or five days. They slept in the wilderness, and when they finally made it to Bethlehem, they get there, and Mary's like, hey, Joseph, do you have a place for us to stay? I hope you do, okay? And Joseph's like, hey, listen, Mary, God's got some place for us to stay. Don't, don't worry, Mary. God has written the plan for the, for the birth of his son, and God is going to provide some place. And in Bethlehem, Mary knew that she was about ready to give birth. Joseph got out. He searched all over Bethlehem. There was no hotel. There was no cottage. There was no inn. There was no Motel 6, okay? There was no comfortable cottage. There was no room in all of Bethlehem for Jesus, but Mary and Joseph rested assured that God had written the perfect plan. You know, sometimes we're struggling in the will of God. We know what God has told us to do. We know the direction that God has given us, but we just don't know how it's all, all going to come together. But understand, recognize this, that God has written the plan for your life and the Bible says this, that the steps of righteous men and women are ordered by him. And God has written the plan for your life. Even though we might not see it, we might not understand it, God has written that plan. And we've got to rest and sure that God is going to take care of it. Number, secondly, God charted the course for the birth of Jesus. He charted the course for the birth of Jesus. Joseph was a faithful man. And so here he's in Bethlehem. They've gone 90 miles in several days. They've slept in the wilderness for several nights. And in Bethlehem, Joseph kept looking for God to open the right door. He kept searching for the place that God had set apart for the birth of Jesus. And finally, Joseph came back to Mary and he said, Hey, Mary, I've got good news and bad news, okay? And Mary says, okay, what is it? He said, well, the good news is I found us a place to stay. Great. Mary says, that's wonderful. You found a place to stay. But that's the deal, Mary. The bad news is it is in a stable. <laughs> and Mary, like a lot of wives, like, my, like Debbie sometimes, okay, it's like, Bob, what have you got us into? <laughs> Joseph is like, hey, Mary, rest assured, God has written the plan for the birth of his son. God has chartered the course for the birth of his son, and it might be a stable, but I just got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. I just got a feeling that God has led us to this place. It might not be a comfortable place, but Mary and Joseph rested assured of the fact that God had written the plan, that God had charted the course, that God was always faithful, and he was leading them to exactly the perfect place. Did you know that it was prophesied in Scripture that Jesus would be born in a stable? That was also prophesied, okay? That God wrote that in his plan. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says this. God chose 
for his son to be born in the most humble place. But Joseph and Mary knew it was the exact place, that it was the right place. God chose for his son to lead the splendor and the glory of heaven to be born in a stable. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty we could be made rich. God had a plan. Okay, it wasn't like uh, they had to stay in a stable by default because there was no room at the Ritz-Carlton. It wasn't that they had to stay in the stable because there was no room at the Hampton Inn. It wasn't because there was no room at the Regal 8, okay, or the Motel 6. No, God had written the plan. God had charted the course, and God, Frank, God chose for his son to be born in a stable, a humble place. Didn't seem like much, but it was a place that God had provided. And right now in our life, we look at our lives sometime, we look at, our, at what God has called us to do, and we say, Christine, and we say, why, God? God, why in the world have you led me to this place? God, why have you led us to this place? It's because God has written his plan, God has charted the course, and, and God does, he's a sovereign God, okay? God, God doesn't always make sense to me. God, Tina, God doesn't usually make sense to me, but he's God, okay? And Mary and Joseph rested in the fact that this was God's perfect place. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, kind of the first part of that verse says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work Begin. Do not, do not despise small beginnings. I was thinking about it this week, okay? It's taken us five years to get the utilities onto our property. My Lord, help us. Five years to get water and electric and gas on a, and, a, and a sewer on that property. It took five years. You say, why? I don't know. God just chose for that to be the path, okay? And God wrote the plan. God chartered the course. God wrote the plan for your life. God charted the course for your life today. And God knows exactly what he's doing. And if God has called you to a ministry, it might seem something small. It might seem like something significant. But do not despise small beginnings, all right? Do not despise small beginnings. I've got, I look at a couple ladies that are here that's talking to me about starting a recovery ministry, you know. Do not despise small beginnings because in God's time, God will bring it together, all right. God will bring it together. God will, God will cause that thing to come because God has written the plan. God has charted the course and God is leading. God led Joseph and Mary exactly to that place. On the night Jesus was born, there was no room. Man had no room for Jesus. That is a perfect analogy for where we are today. Man has no room for Jesus today. Man has got room for everything else. We've got room for every thought. We've got room for every ideology. We've got room for every religion. We've got room for absolutely every, everything, but there is no room for Jesus. You say, well, what are we going to do about that? Well, here's the last thing I want to talk to you about is this, that God chooses 
those who make room for Jesus. Okay? And everyone else might reject. It might seem like the whole culture is rejecting, but there will be those that make room for Jesus. And those are the ones that have, have God's attention. Those are the ones that God can work through today. Okay? God chooses those that make room for Jesus. You know, it's Christmas season. This is the time of year that makes every business profitable. Christmas is a multi-billion dollar event or enterprise, if you will. And, and I, so I did a little research. According to the National Retail Federation of America, and I looked this up, the, this exact wording. Americans are going to spend between $942 billion and $960 billion. So Americans are going to roughly spend $950 billion on, get this, this is how they put it. Americans will spend about $950 billion this, here's how they put it, holiday season. Holiday season. I want you to notice the emphasis on holiday season. Why? Because man has no room for Jesus. And Jesus is going to mess things up, and we can't even call it Christmas. <laughs> it's a holiday season, okay? Because my God, my, by golly, we don't want to offend anyone. Because if we offend someone, we might lose some of that $950 billion, okay? But man has no room for Jesus. If not for the birth of Jesus, there would be no Christmas. And yet in our world today, Jesus Christ is not welcome to his own birthday celebration. And in our everyday lives, we make room for absolutely everything else, but we have no room. People, many people, I'm not, not talking about you today, but many people have no room for Jesus whatsoever. And it's Christmas, there's no room for Jesus. He's too radical. The word of God is too politically incorrect. He's not welcome. There's no room for Jesus but God chooses people that make room for him, okay? You know, at Christmas time, when I was growing up, and, and it's still kind of a family tradition, okay? My mother, and my mom's sitting right over here, would often find people that had no place else to go at Christmas time and invite them to our house, okay? And I can remember being a kid, and I would tell my mom, Nick, I would tell my mom, I'd say, Mom, please, this year, no visitors at Christmas. <laughs> I don't want any guests at Christmas. Mom, I don't want, please, please, Mom, no one else but our family. I can remember being a teenager, telling my mom, no one else, Mom, just our house, just people and our family. Don't invite anyone else to come at Christmas. But my mom always had this deal where she would find people that had no other place to go, and she would invite them. I, mom, I didn't really appreciate your generosity. You know? I told her, don't invite him. She said, Bobby, but these places need, these, these people need some place to go. And she would invite him, okay? And as I began to get older, I began to appreciate that. I thought it was kind of neat. I thought it was kind of cool, okay? And I remember we had a couple students here from South Africa, from, from Stellenbosch University in South Africa. We invited them to come to our Christmas celebration, you know? Because they didn't have any place to go. And I found that that was fulfilling 
to find other people that had no, no place else to go, and we would invite them. My mom, she led the way. She would invite them. Many of those people have passed away. They're not even here anymore, but their memory lives on in our mind. We laugh about some of them. we got some funny memories about some of them. But it's wonderful to help people that are lonely during the Christmas season. So I want to encourage you, let's make room for Jesus, not just at Christmas, but every single day of the year. Let's make a place for Jesus. Let's make Jesus the focal point and the center of our life because God chooses people who will make room for Jesus. The man just doesn't stumble onto Jesus. We don't stumble on Jesus like you stumble onto a good restaurant, okay? You ever stumble into a bad restaurant? You say, man, let's don't ever go back there. That's terrible. But every once in a while, we stumble onto a really good one. Say, man, I just, man, that's really good, you know. Been to some places like that. But we don't stumble on Jesus like you stumble onto a good restaurant or a good deal at the store, okay. But rather, God chooses men and women who will make room for Jesus. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus because John chapter 6 verse 44 says this, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and at the last day I will raise them up. God chooses the man or woman that will follow Jesus. God chooses the man or woman that will make a place for Jesus. God chooses them. And so today you're sitting here and you're thinking, I'm, I sure am glad that I'm a Christian, I'm serving God, I'm living for God. You know why you are? Because God chose you. Because God looked through all of history and God saw you. And God picked you because you, he knew that you would make room for Jesus. And you would open your heart to Jesus. God sees and knows who will make room for Jesus. A couple more scriptures here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. But remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you, but instead, God chose things the world considers as foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. God chooses the person that will make a place for Jesus. God chose Mary because he, he knew that she would make a room for Jesus in her body. God knew in advance that Mary would do his will. God knew in advance that when he spoke to Joseph, that Joseph, who was actually the stepfather of Jesus, okay, he, he raised Jesus' his own son, but God was the father, okay, Joseph, he knew, would make room and make a place for Jesus. That is the reason God chose Mary and Joseph, because they, he knew that Mary and Joseph would understand that he had written the birth for the plan of Jesus. He knew that Mary and Joseph would understand that he had charted the course for the birth of Jesus. And if it meant they had to walk 90 miles to Bethlehem, that they would do it. He knew that they would make room for Jesus. 
And so God chooses us today because we make room for Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to close, okay? Rejecting Jesus is man's loss. Sometimes we argue with people about God, Christianity, the things, that, and we, it's like we're going to talk someone into it, okay? I don't think you're going to talk anyone into it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to deal with them. You can pray for people, and you could say, God, I know this person is like a so, so radical against you and so radical against, against your word and so radical against Jesus that I just, I'm, I just get frustrated talking to them. You don't have to argue with them. Just pray for them, okay? Because it's not your argument that's going to win them. Now, I know there's this thing called apologetics, and it's like trying to convince someone to be a Christian. I understand that, okay? But with your convincing, the Holy Spirit's got to be working. The Holy Spirit's got to be dealing. The Holy Spirit's got to be drawing because no man comes to the Father or no man comes to Jesus except the Holy Spirit draws them and deals with them and speaks to them. So rejecting Jesus is man's loss. Rejecting Jesus is rejecting the blessings of God, and it's rejecting the wisdom of God. Rejecting Jesus is rejecting hope. It's rejecting peace. It's rejecting abundant life. But God chooses those who make themselves available. God chooses those that make room for Jesus today. I want to assure you of the fact this morning that God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus. He prophesied it hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, okay? There was prophecies about Jesus in the Garden of Eden after, after the sin of Adam and Eve. There was a prophecy that came forth about Jesus, that he would come as a Savior to defeat the devil. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, go check it out, okay? You can read that, the prophecy about Jesus. In the very beginning, God wrote the plan for the birth of Jesus. God chartered the course for the birth of Jesus, and God knows there was, man had no room for Jesus. That was okay, because it's God that makes room for Jesus, okay? And God knows the man, the woman, the boy, the girl, that's going to make room for Jesus. So today, I, I often tell people, you know, I, I talk to people all the time, and they're, they're proud of their unbelief. They're proud of their doubt. They're proud of their intellectualism, and they'll sit and they'll spout, they'll spout off things about God, and they'll curse God, and they'll mock God. You know what I say? That's your loss. That's your loss. Because we don't hurt him by rejecting him. We destroy ourselves by rejecting him because there will be those. A hundred million might reject him, but God knows this. Someone will make room for him, and God the Father has already made a place. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season, and not just this Christmas season, but every single day of your life, make room for Jesus. Make him, a, make him priority. Make him the focal point of your life. Make him the most important thing in your marriage, in your family, in your business. Make him number one. We've got people today, and they're running around. They're trying to work 24-7. They're wearing themselves out. They're doing everything that they possibly can, trying to get ahead, trying to keep the wolf from knocking the door down. Listen, if we'll just make room for Jesus, 
okay? <laughs> if we'll just put, get things where they need to be and get the right order and the right priority, God is going to take care of us. Never hath the righteous been forsaken or seed seen begging for bread. God is going to take care of us, okay? God will take care of those people that make room for Jesus and make a place for him today because God has written the plan. God has charted the course today, and God is working. God is moving today. God is, he's still the rock. He's, he's the rock. He's our, he's our fortress and though other people might seem to be rejecting him and pushing him away, there are people, and I believe millions of people, that make a place and make room for Jesus in their heart, in their life, in everything that they do. Let's, let's pray today. Stand with me this morning because we're going to sing a song also. We're going to spend a little time praising God this morning before we leave. But let's close out our online portion of this service with this prayer dear lord right now thank you for sending jesus thank you god for writing the plan for his coming for his life for his birth dear god for his sinless life for the example that he left for us thank you god you wrote the plan that he would lay his life down on the cross freely and take up take upon him all of our sin that you wrote the plan dear god that his blood would wash away our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, you wrote the plan and charted the course for his resurrection so that we can have eternal life. And I pray today, God, for every person that is here that we will make room for Christ. Maybe there's someone today watching online or there's someone in this, in this auditorium this morning that you're dealing with and we've been struggling with doubt. We've been struggling with unbelief. But God, I pray, Lord, that the secret of peace and joy and happiness and abundant life is not in the ideas and the philosophies of men, but the true secret of life and peace and joy and happiness is in Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for this today. Help us, Lord, to make room for Christ, not just at Christmas time, not just on Christmas Day or this Christmas season, but each and every day of the year may be number one in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. These guys are going to play and sing a song as they do.